0: It's getting me kind of amped. Like it makes me want to like, I don't know, go 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 get <laughs> martyred. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. Okay, see you later, guys. I'm gonna go get martyred. Episode one. Episode the one. The riders
1: round. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, God. you guys, we're so excited. We're so excited that this is this is it. We've been working on this idea for a while. A while. And it's finally here. <laughs> the Writer's Round Podcast, Episode 1. James, how are you doing? Hey, I'm
0: good, man. I am James Perkins, one of your co-hosts here. Steven. Steven, who are you? Steven? My name is Stephen. Steven. Hey, My name Steven. is Steven Jobert. For those of you that
1: are listening, you would know this because the only people that are going to listen to this first episode right away are the people who already know us and like us, which is the best foundation (laughs) of a podcast.
0: Yeah, It's a strong foundation. Thank you for liking us enough to listen to our voices disembodied from (laughs) the rest of us.
1: Yes, absolutely. This is so good. This is so good. Oh, man. Uh, Today, it's episode one. What are we talking about? We're going to talk about why we're even doing this podcast. We're going to talk about Songwriting. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff today. Um, so, James, would you like to talk about, at first, yeah. a little bit behind why we're doing this? Why you and I have decided to commit so many hours to prepping this idea and trying to see it to fruition?
0: Yeah, I think there was there's kind of this dry spell going on in, in content creation and in media where... The almost the vocation, if you will, of being a songwriter is kind of left out. There's a lot of content and podcasts and shows and things that are about secular songwriting or music in general, but I think talking about issues that musicians deal with on the daily, whether it be performance or songwriting or just the actual art and the craft of, of music and of songs itself gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I think... Yeah you know, both you and me as songwriters, um, well experienced songwriters have an opinion that, um, you know, we can kind of express and get some thoughts out there that, you know, maybe other people share and that other people need to hear voiced as well. And, you know, flesh out some things, um, specifically doing with songwriting, um, you know, with, with a a Christian mindset as well. So there's, there's a lack and we're here to fill that need, right, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's one of the interesting things about like
1: if you do a search for music podcast or in particular songwriting podcasts like uh like on your like podcast app on your iphone or whatever it's actually there's like nothing really that pops up like Mm -hmm. it's a pretty empty space and so while you know people can talk about music and of course we love to talk about music I, i think we thought it'd be really cool if we could get a group of people together who were interested in, like, the mechanical, like, nitty-gritty stuff of songwriting and music and execution and, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so we wanted to give us and our friends and people we know and like a space to talk about their music, to talk about the music yeah. that they're writing – Right? And to me, I think that's cool. I think it's a
0: really good platform to sh- expand other artists' views and interests on different topics, and then also to share their own work. So, here on the Writers' Round, we really are going to be focused on the creation and this, the actual patronage of music, of art. Um, we'll have different interviews with, with different artists and worship leaders and songwriters and producers and, um, you know, anybody that's involved in this process from start to finish um, and that has an opinion on it. You know, we want to give them a platform to be able to be heard uh, and then to expose our, our listeners to new music. You know, there's a lot of great new music that's out there that people just are having trouble finding. Yeah, and they don't have an audience or a platform, so we want to be a voice um, to be able to share with you guys the amazing stuff that's going on, both contemporaries of ours and then you know new people on the scene that are doing good work and that they deserve to be seen and heard.
1: Yeah, well, and in particular, I mean, this is going to come up time and time again. We are going to talk about this every episode because we think it's so great. But you know, you and I are a part of a little organization, a collection of songwriters um, called Novum Records and you know I think it's really important for us to be able to gather as a group and and to kind of give all of us who are on part of this platform to kind of a space to kind of coexist and honestly for us to even get to know each other even because you know Mm -hmm. I think you know there's people that kind of get added into the group all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and or at least it feels like, you know, and and so I think giving us a space to kind of talk to each other and, and learn build from community. each other is
0: pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, cuz yeah. I mean, unfortunately a lot of times with musicians it ends up being this weird space of competition because there's yeah. such finite resources of gigs available and it's I mean, like it, it's the actual performance of what you're trying to do, it's tough. And you very much have to have hustle and grit and a, a personal work ethic to get that stuff done. So when you meet other people that are like that, at first it can be kind of like, it's like two cats meeting, right? Because you both have to work <laughs> really hard to do things. Um, but ultimately right. what we all are seeking and what we all are lacking is community.
1: Yeah, it's true. And that's
0: that's one of my favorite things about this whole Novum Records thing is that not only is it a record label, but it, it's an honest collective. In addition to right. there being other artists on the label, we are all collectively, we identify as Novum, and we write music together, we co-write constantly, and then we release uh, music as a collective, um, as in its own entity. So being able to come together in that way has been really fruitful.
1: Yeah, well, and, and honestly, this can take us right into our first topic, talking about songwriting, right? Like, we wanted to just talk about yeah. the purpose of the podcast, and then now talk about, well, the thing that the podcast is about, which is songwriting. And and when talking about that in community is really important because if you think about music um, as a language, right, like how did you and I learn the language that we speak, right? Oh, man. Well, you learned it from hanging around masters of the language. right? Right. Like your parents were masters of the language that you speak Right, and you spend yeah. tons of time around those people, and then you slowly, over time, learn to speak the language. Right, right. and so with music, it's the same thing. Right, and so as a musician, the tendency is to want to isolate yourself because everyone's a competitor. Right, right. But the thing that you really need is community to grow because you need to be able to spend time with people who are better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you need. Yeah. To, You need to spend time with people who are masters of the language of music in a different capacity and in a different way. So then that way you can kind of Expand and broaden your horizons into into these realms of music that you yourself are unfamiliar with, and mm-hmm. quite frankly, like you suck at right. And so then, right. And so then you learn from these masters by just osmosis, like just by being in it, you know. Yeah. Well, especially and, just and so, just to
0: inspire you into a new creative space. Like a lot of times with musicians, even with our just our own physical musical talent, in addition to creativity, we can get into these ruts. Uh, where we're stuck and we don't know how to get out of it or think of a new thing or, you know, like how many more water references can we make in music before that whole thing gets right. buried, you know? Like to be surrounded by other people that are creatively in a different box or a different mindset, that helps you step out of that um, out of that rut. Yeah, well, I mean, so for our listeners,
1: uh, you and I m- met – this past, what was that, September? It was September, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you and I had never met before or written anything mm-hmm. before together. Um, and we went on a retreat together with all of the Novum Collective, Novum Records people. Yeah. And there was a nice group of us on this retreat all weekend long. And the first night, you and I sat down and like wrote stuff together. And mm-hmm. like our approaches to the song were entirely different. You know mm-hmm. like I gravitated toward an acoustic guitar, you gravitated towards the piano, and I'm not even necessarily saying that the piano is your main instrument. Yeah. Right? But it's just the fact like your instinct was to look at what I was already doing and then say, How do I complement that? How right. do I you were already operating in a how can I contribute something different to the table? Whereas I was like this is something that I know that I'm decent at, right? So let me just do, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like, I know that I can, I can hammer out some stuff on a guitar real fast. Like, so I'm going to bring this to the table. And I think, but you were like, oh, I'm going to be flexible and,
0: you know. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of when you start to co-write with someone is there's always like a little bit of an icebreaker period at first, which is, mm-hmm. which I mean, which is why there's so many great like family duo songwriters because they already know each other intimately just through having, you know, been raised in the same place and and living together, and then same way with um, songwriters, it, it increases over time. And the more that you get to know someone, and the more time that you spend with another person, you get to know, like you like you mentioned, the best ways to complement their strengths, right. and that's the best way to create something new. Um, is to find out where those little, like, slots are that where things are missing and to see, like, and even if if it's not, like, your primary thing that you do, it forces you to grow into that space uh, and to work on bringing out something new. So what was interesting was when we started co-writing over that retreat, um, it made me evaluate... A lot, (laughs) my life. You know, I had an existential crisis. You know how it goes. Not really, but I love that. But it it did. I'm a reflective person anyway. But it what made me think about myself was I as a as a worship artist. I mainly co write with another person. The that's like I'm. I have a worship project that's based out of here in Atlanta. It's called Onward and Upward. Um, My partner Ashley Dean and I have been working together for, I mean, ten years or so. And, yeah, so I've never, like, written without having her consultation and her arrangement skills and stuff involved in that. So it made me think about my Mm -hmm. skills as a songwriter individually and can I contribute with someone else, which I think is kind of the opposite of what you're doing because you have a whole solo gig that you're doing, right? Right, yeah. I mean,
1: you know... My background was playing, like, in rock bands and stuff, and so there was a time where I was always used to arrangement-wise, like, showing the song to somebody and, like, bouncing ideas off of and being kind of, like, whatever. Um, And then there was a moment where I kind of shifted into this, you know, solo career thing um, where I had the final say on things, which was strange. Right, having authority. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and then kind of... Through that, I started to develop my own kind of style and find something that I liked and that I was good at. And, you know, and I think over the years, it's I've kind of gotten into this kind of n- niche style that I really like. This kind of like weird kind of southern gritty swamp rock kind of whatever. Um, but it kind of it took it was I mean, it to took process. a lot of soul searching, soul searching and, you know, processing and just writing and writing and writing and figuring out how much of the stuff that you write, you don't like. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah. And, and so it's, it was very different than anything, you know, I mean, honest, to be honest, the the first time I tried to co-write with other people, um, that were outside of either a band that I was already in or just myself, um, was one of the most scary and, Hard and difficult things mm-hmm. because it was like trying to forego my own preferences because I, I got used to being kind of the ruler of the songs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so being like, oh, I don't like that. I mean, literally, I remember the first time I tried to co-write with a group of people um, and 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 you know, I was with a bunch of, you know, Catholic people and so we the idea was to write some sort of worship song or whatever. And and someone had said a line, you know, that I don't even remember what the line was, but there was a lyric in there that I just thought was so lame and cheesy. And like I didn't even I didn't like even think to like sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? Oh, like I was just like and I was just like, yeah. oh, that's bad. Oh. I was like, <laughs> I was so like, blunt. That's, yeah, I was like, oh, that's not good. Let's not do that. And then literally the whole songwriting session just, like, came to a halt. And, like, and just freaking, like, just everyone just, like, <sighs> stopped and quit. And I ruined it. Like, I wrecked it. Because I was just, I mean, I was being, I was being a jerk. Right. Right. But I, I just, I wasn't used to it and
0: like, yeah, there's a dynamic just, that has to be like learned and also like, you know, social skills <laughs> to come yeah, across, but it, yeah. it's different because you well, should, here's the thing is, can we
1: have, can we have a whole episode just on social skills? So that way I can learn because I <laughs> evidently, it, yeah. evidently I need, uh, I need help with that.
0: Yeah. And I think a big problem with that is musicians are pretty nerdy people anyway, just By nature, because like in order to... Oh, for real? No, I mean, for real, think about it. Like if you have dedicated your life to this skill set, it means that you've spent hours alone in a room, (laughs) which is generally not good for the social skill. But even on a more intimate level, when you're writing songs for a lot of people, it's a super intimate thing, whether especially with Christian music, if it's coming out of your own prayer life and then you're trying to co-write with someone, it means that you have to be vulnerable and then you have to expose that. Hey, I'm dealing with this thing too. Do you guys deal with mm-hmm. this? And it's like, uh, nope. Like that's not. <laughs> like that's yep. the fear is, and then, is that and, you can't
1: relate. And then while you're trying to be vulnerable and share this part of your prayer life with <laughs> someone, someone, says, someone that's goes bad. <laughs> <"N-> that's bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would grind into uh, a hole real bad. quick. <laughs> Oh, that was bad. So but that, that was really that interests bad. me in in that that whole situation. So, cuz you said like someone had a line and you sat down to write a worship song. And I, I that's yeah. such a weird sentence for me to hear because I think for a lot of worship artists it's like songs come out of your own prayers and they're a little bit more organic. But on right. on the like professional level side, there is a moment where you have to sit down and crank it out. So, where's where's the starting right. point for that? Well, so I think you know
1: This wasn't as inorganic as it sounded, you know. I mean, it was a group of people that had gotten together for the specific purpose of songwriting and stuff, and it's in the same similar way that we had, you know, several months ago. Yeah. Um. And and it, but the idea was sort of like we're gonna write this song together, and so like one person had come forward with, this is this thing I was thinking about, you know, and so this person, this other person was trying to expand on the idea, and then when I was like, that's bad. (laughs) Um, but so, anyway. Anyway. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of how that all got started in terms of that particular anecdote. But, you know, whenever I go to write songs, whenever I try to sit down and just grind it out, those are usually, that's whenever it sucks the most, most of the time for me. Um... For me, for starting off with a songwriting something, um, I usually kind of have to have two components. I got to have a a guitar lick, a chord progression, just like a vibe, like just something that catches me. Something that's interesting, something that's unique, something that I haven't ever done before. Hmm. I need some sort of novelty for me to want to tinker with it. Like, if everything in the song is totally bland and something that I have done or used before, musically speaking, I, I won't give it the time of day. Um, and then the lyrical content, I need to have some sort of... Even if it doesn't stay in the song necessarily, but a just a lyrical hook or an idea or a concept... That's novel and interesting. Like for me it's it's is all about the creative process of trying to push yourself into doing something you've never done before. And I know that's not everyone's that's philosophy, super but that is my thing. That's the yeah. thing that I think makes music fun and interesting and entertaining and why I always want to go back to it is because you can always find a little something that you've never done before.
0: So you start with yeah. And you're starting with like a musical idea, that for it's it's interesting to you Correct. personally, not tailored to other people, which I think is an interesting distinction. Yes. That like when you go in to write a song, who you're writing yeah, it for? It's true, <laughs> you know. Well,
1: and, and I mean it's the same thing with, you know, I mean whenever you take a essay writing class, right? The first thing they always ask you is who's your audience? Who are you writing to? Right. I don't right. have that yeah. in me. <laughs> <laughs> I, Not, I just, I what? just, whenever I go to songwriting I'm like, what do I want to do? And so it's like an utterly, it's, it's an utterly so selfish, selfish thing that I want to do. It's just, it's like, yeah. like music for me is I desire to do this thing and I'm going to try to do it. And if you happen to like it, great. Um, if you don't like it, then I like that I wrote it. Cause, cause to be and, and it took me a long time to actually get to this space because I wasn't always this way. I used There was a point in time where the people I was writing for reigned supreme, um, and that was some of the most miserable songwriting years of my existence, and I think it's actually my worst work I've ever done. Um, and so oh, wow. it took me a while to kind of get back into the space of like, okay, just, like, stop caring what people want you to do or what people are expecting you to do and just, like, do a thing that you think sounds fun and do that. Like, my last record that I did, um, it was all about... The whole thing was just about having a good time. Like, in terms of the creative process, why certain songs sound a certain way, why is the artwork on the album a certain way, I literally told uh, Hmm. Paul Latino, the guy who did all of the graphics on it and stuff, I sent him a couple of ideas, and I said, dude, do something that's fun. I said, do you have to do a lot of projects and commission work that you don't like to do? And he was like, yeah. I said, this should not be one of those things. (laughs) I was like, like, whatever you think is going to be fun to do, that's what I want you to do. And he was like, that sounds awesome. And I was like, sweet. And then, like, when... And oh, he, he crushed it. it. He did yeah. a good job. And then, like, whenever I was talking <laughs> yeah. to Mason Shirley, our producer slash audio engineer for for the record, he was like, you know, he <laughs> there was a point where I started struggling, and I was like, I don't know if I should make the song this way. And then he said, whenever we got on the phone and you first said you wanted to do this project, what did you tell me? And I was like, I wanted to have a good time. And he was like, what sounds the most fun to you? <laughs> and I was like, this. And he said, well, then that's what we're doing. <laughs> And, and, dude, Uncle, Uncle Mason Mason's will take career. care of you, man.
0: And so... <laughs> yeah, shout-out to uh, Mason Shirley dude, at Sound Machine yeah. Studio. Copers dude, Christi, heck of man. a
1: shout-out. Uh, great work over there. Man, I, we've got to get Mason on the show one day, multiple times, because, cool. oh, my oh, gosh, yeah. that guy is just too good.
0: Yeah, he did our last record, too, for Onward and Upward, and it was really a crazy experience. It's, it's actually interesting... When you're when you're working on songs that may or may not be finished in studio, I feel like the creative process is completely different as mm-hmm. opposed to like showing up with a song that's fully fleshed and with a very clear idea of what do you want, what you want yeah. it to sonically be like, yeah. versus like we, I mean we had a song on an album called uh, Like the Sky that we just don't know what to do with. Like we have mm. the song we we like it, but it's not we like help <laughs> you know like what yeah. do we do and um it just i, I want to pose to you like when you're what role does your environment play in the writing of your songs Is it like having more toys help you write a song like more instruments available to you or are you like the kind of person that writes in their bedroom and like finishes it out um I, for me personally it's
1: different for each song each song is its own animal Um, and there's no consistent formula for getting through a song. (laughs) Um, so like sometimes if I'm really stuck, I mean, certainly trying out different instruments and different sounds and, you know, like that is my go-to when I'm stuck on something. Yeah. Um, or if it's like I'm stuck on a thing and I don't know what to do with it, you know, I'll go and take a break and listen to... Stuff that is like the polar opposite of the song I'm trying to listen, trying to write, you know? Um, and think, you know, hopefully maybe that kind of sparks an idea for something, and, you know?
0: Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely an aspect of, it, it's kind of like when you're working with other people, if you hear a sound you haven't heard before, it can inspire something to, to come out. And I find that with just, sure. just even just playing a different guitar alone yep. or a different piano or in a different room even in your own yep. house, there's just something different about changing it up. You know, maybe it's you know like the Eureka theory or something, but there's something that's different about it. And I think that's something that um, we like encountered for the first time um, when we were recording. We just did this uh, this album a couple months ago. It's called Sanctuary from Onward and Upward. You can find it on Um But we we were trying to decide what. Our sound is And what we want to Represent On the recording Because when we're Playing live It's You know It's me and Ashley Like a guy-girl Voice dynamic And then guitar and piano hmm And so We didn't want to like Do A full band On The album Because we couldn't like re. Reproduce that And I think that was You don't was, want to do
1: What Ed Sheeran does And just have like Fully produced radio hits And then go on tour With
0: just yourself And an acoustic guitar and then Sounds he pockets, awesome He me. pockets all the money Yeah Yeah I mean Grant, that sounds great Yeah I mean because I mean, that, That's that's kind of a part of it Was we want to be able to Provide the same quality That people hear On the record live Right And there's you know, Obviously there's a certain extent You know Things like auto-tune It's very helpful <laughs> On the record Ashley doesn't need auto-tune, everyone. No, it was me. So (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Mason can help you out. Now, but when it comes to instrumentation, that's like a big decision to make. You know, like do you put an electric guitar on your album when like every now and then we'll we'll hire an electric guitar to play with us for a gig, you know? And I think it it goes back to who are you writing for and then who are you recording for? Because they might not be the same people. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, if you listen to, like, all of these, these new worship songs that are coming out from Elevation and Bethel and all of this, or, or Hillsong's a better example. Hillsong does, like, the old school recording where they, like, go deep into a studio and, like, rent out a whole place and have, like, a retreat with everyone. And then they spend time, like, crafting the sounds, and it's very much a record. Whereas Elevation and Bethel and these, these churches, they're recording themselves playing live at their right. church. And I, I'm super fascinated by their intent with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you what mean is, by like, that? So, like, what is their end goal? Because there's absolutely like songs on this latest Hillsong record that everybody plays at church, but the recording of it is not indicative of that. It's mm-hmm. just like a. It's a, Do you do you want to represent the song itself as a song, or do you want to represent the song as a congregational? communal event.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it comes down to, uh, well, I mean, what the people who are putting the album together want to do, right? Like, it depends on what's most important, you know? Are you doing the songs in hopes that people use them for congregational worship and you're not too sure if they will otherwise? Then maybe you should put the song... You know, as is, like, as a congregational, like, worship tune or whatever, but if you're just like, yeah, I mean, people are probably going to use this song anyway, and I just want the song to sound the best possible way it can sound, and I want it, to. I want to take what's in my brain, and I want to put it out into the universe, right, like, that's just a different idea, right, like, one is, yeah. um, artist-focused, and one is, uh, you know, congregation-focused, You know, and so I think it just matters at the end of the day who's who needs to be edified. You know,
0: and what throws a wrench into all of this is like the certain level of success and talent and progression that a person makes in their career or an artist makes in their career Mm -hmm. changes changes that over time, and it's not always the same. Like if you look at Matt Mars' early stuff, it had mass parts on it. You know, like his first his first album had. You know his his gospel acclamation and the Kyrie and all of that, um, and now his latest record is like the most crazy produced. Sh- you know with strings and choirs and, and you know effects yeah. and everything and, and vocoders and it's like.
1: Have you listened to the to the new record?
0: I've listened to everything he's put out like on YouTube. All of all yeah. the singles. I haven't listened to the whole.
1: Yeah, me neither. I haven't listened to any of it to be honest. Well, so,
0: well, what's interesting is he started to do songs that he co-wrote f- that other artists have already made famous. So I mm-hmm. almost almost feel bad because you know a lot of the comments are like, "Oh, like cool thing that you covered this Chris Tomlin song," and it's like, "No, dude, like Matt wrote that <laughs> Matt wrote that song." And, uh, With he, Chris he, Tomlin, yeah, and he didn't. Matt didn't cut a, a, a record of it. So for example, just just this past week, I think he released it probably for Advent was. Um, uh, Here for You, which was a huge yeah. hit for Matt Redman um, off the same album from 10,000 Reasons. I mean, you know, so every church yeah. under the sun plays that song. And Matt's been doing it live forever since it came out, probably since before it came out. And he just released a new, like, live music video from YouTube of him doing that song. Uh, obviously, he wrote the song, he's got one of the co writes on it. Um, but his in- interpretation of it is really different, it's completely different. it's actually like amazing to see his own take on his own song. (laughs) Right. We're only familiar with other people writing it. Yeah. And uh, part of me is like, like go Matt, go like do it. Uh, Like that's, I feel like that should have been done years ago with like every song. I mean, the dude has more co-writes than, you know, I have teeth. It's amazing.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So all that being said, whenever you go to write a worship song yeah you probably approach worship songs extremely differently than the way bethel <laughs> or elevation worship would approach yeah. writing a worship song mhm so
0: so, so I mean there are differences between the catholic church and elevation
1: I'm just saying I wasn't going to point fingers <laughs> or step anything step up your I budget was, yeah I was just gonna. I was just asking. So, like, whenever you go to write tunes that are meant for congregational worship circumstances, what are you doing, man? And I it, need to know this because I don't know how to write songs for congregational worship. I suck at it. So,
0: oh jeez, and, and you know it. It's funny because you will only ever just make someone mad. <laughs> like it's it's almost a lose lose game sure be- because some people will love it and some people will hate it and some people don't like music at all at mass and you know that's fine you well, know bygones be bygones some, but- well some people would say that
1: what you're doing is damaging the prayer of the church so <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you that
0: story no
1: so did someone tell you that
0: I'm, yeah what
1: yeah. yeah whenever I was in uh like fresh out of college and I was doing Music essentially full time. Like I was just traveling on the weekends, doing retreats and things, and we were talking about um, music and music, contemporary worship music in in mass, um, and and I don't want to try to go through the whole conversation or anything because that would take too long. But the important thing is <laughs> is that while we were having this discussion this gentleman told me that what i do damages the prayer of the church wow and so Gosh. i was like so so Talk about an i was existential getting, crisis goodness so i was getting paid on the weekends by churches to damage to to damage <laughs> the prayer of the church and That's and a, to also for me as my person exists, and and the ministry that I did um, damage the teenagers and their ability to pray, and to have, um, yeah, it was
0: yeah. If the sound of yeah. my eyes rolling was loud enough to hear, it would be deafening. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm I'm in a space now. I'm a music director. I'm director of liturgy and music um, for you know small church. But wow. um, I've been so you so you know a lot about liturgy and music, do you enough to get <laughs> to get paid for it? Luckily, but uh, this is the the second parish I've been at as a music director, and there are similar things that continue across you know pretty much uniformly across all churches. Um, but specifically when writing for a liturgy, there's, it's just a whole different mindset. And it, it kind of dawned on me the other day, the, the biggest thing is that in, in liturgy, whether it be Catholic or, or Anglican or Episcopalian or you know, whatever, um, even uh, in the Methodist church as well, the, well the, the biggest difference is that with liturgy, the music is happening while something else is going on. Right. At all times, whenever you're singing, it's not for the purpose of the song. It's for the purpose of something that's happening at that moment. So like when we're singing the Lamb of God, it's because, the, or the Agnus Dei, if you're one of those Latin Catholics, it's because the priest, <laughs> the priest is breaking the host. Like there's like a ceremony going on on the altar right. at that time. Right. Like, And that's yeah, actually... Yeah, the pressure, right? right. Exactly. That's the focus of what is happening in that moment, not you singing that song. And then same thing with, like, let's let's think of, like, when a, like a big song slot in Mass would be, would be, uh, like, the presentation of the gifts offertory. Everyone's sitting down so they can focus on you and your singing and your song choice, and you have a little bit of time, so you can probably get through a couple verses, maybe one time through the bridge. That's exciting. But Whoa. it's not about the song. It's about the literal gifts of the people being presented from the back of the church up to the altar and its yep. you know work of human hands being that's that's getting ready for the sacrifice if that's a big deal that's like a pivotal moment in the liturgy and it is not about the song and the song should be about that moment not about i don't know for, like it's not about forgiving you shouldn't be singing about forgiveness in that moment you should be singing about offering or, or in relation to the readings, because the offertory is the first song after the readings.
1: Well, don't you think that if the homily and the and the scripture readings were about forgiveness, that that would be acceptable? Because, because though the offertory is happening, you are... Like, yes, it's about that moment, but the things that you're bringing like, the gifts that you are bringing is yourself, and then in the gifts that you're bringing through yourself, if the scripture verses and the readings happen to be about forgiveness, then, like, what I'm bringing to the altar, what I could be bringing as part of my gifts is this relationship that needs healing, that needs forgiveness, because, and I've been right. harboring a bunch of... Unforgiveness. I've been harboring a grudge towards this person, and so I mean, I think if if there is tie in with the homily and the scripture readings and stuff, yes. with forgiveness, you can do that in offertory. Of course, but like it shouldn't but it shouldn't I, be a but, separate uh, thing. But,
0: is the point? Like yeah, completely correct. unrelated topic. Just, like, let's not sing a Christmas song <laughs> during Advent, for example.
1: Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. So, but what's You'll get some you'll get some tratties after
0: oh you for gosh. that. But so <laughs> it's it's the complete opposite in just a Christian service or a non-dominational service, whatever it is, there the the service halts and comes to a stop and we're like, okay, everybody, we're going to sing this song in its entirety.
1: hmm And
0: then and then the yeah, next thing I moves mean, on. Which so it's all about that well, song and the moment of worship you can create with it.
1: Well so in and, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for my own reflection and kind of thinking about lit, like liturgy versus non-liturgical circumstances and stuff, in, in non-liturgical Protestant churches, in my opinion, the closest thing that they have to a priest in their services is not the pastor, but actually the worship leader. I think their musicians actually act more of a priestly role in the context of their service than the pastor does. Cuz all the pastor does is give them a message whereas the 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 ones who are actually leading them in the prayer and in actually drawing them into the presence of the Lord is the actual is the worship mm. leader. And so to like if if a non-liturgical Protestant worship service is about anything. It's about the music 100%, right? Yeah. Because the music is the prayer. Right. Right? There's not a distinction. Whereas in Catholic liturgy, there's are those are two separate things. Yeah, there's things. like a dozen
0: now, prayers just by themselves without musical accompaniment.
1: Right. And so then if you're going to incorporate music into that thing, then any music that you are incorporating must enhance and... Accentuate that prayer that's already Happening that prayer that can exist Without the music right So that's
0: that's exactly right And the the Interesting creative Aspect of all of this is how do you To what extent Can can beauty and art in your Personal creativity as as an artist As a worship leader as a worshiper Where does that how how does that Play a role in that Because it, it can seem very strict with the the yeah. places in the mass where it can be and the depending on the priest and the church, like how they want to get that across and, yeah. and express I that. Mean, and, I mean th- I think
1: some people would argue that it, it is in fact extremely strict. Yes,
0: and that's a good thing. Um I would argue because there's freedom in that. It gives you the mm-hmm. the confines to work and do the work. You know, like like when you're given a job to do it is much easier to have <laughs> instructions. <laughs> Than just, you know, wing it. Oh, yeah. And that's where like you can flourish. Like, you have this thing that has to be in these certain dimensions in these certain ways. That it's like the dimensions of your canvas. Like those other borders, you have that much space to make beauty and to make art.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So in a way it it's easier. Um, but I don't think people realize how just how much sheer music is in the mass. In in just like a normal English speaking mass, that's not even like a high mass or a, a solemnity or something. There's, I mean, I mean, it's like ten ten songs to twelve, if you're including all of the the mass parts with the the hymns and the chants. It's. I was at re- rehearsal today actually um, with my student mass group, and they were just like, I had no idea. That there was just so much yeah. work that goes into every single Mass every single week. And um, I think part of it comes from just that the Mass was originally sung. The whole Mass was a song. And right. it was, um, you know, chanted in Latin. But so it's just, it's musical by nature because that's how it was designed, you know. So mm-hmm. it's really beautiful, but it's it's definitely a challenge, you know, don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah, well, there's a really interesting part of liturgy, whenever you that you would you never really realize, um, if you're not the musician, um, is is how much of the mass is like a thing that falls like, not that the mass is gonna stop if you don't do your job because like the priest obviously can fill in your, fill in the gaps for you if you. If
0: you miss Yeah, a but thing. it throws off but the groove like, big time. <laughs>
1: but but like the weird thing is, is just until I started doing music f- for mass when I was in college, like I never realized how much of it was like, oh, like you actually need to know what's going on in order to like know when you're supposed to play what, and you actually have to know the order right. of which things you do what. Because like I mean I'm, you know, cradle Catholic, right? I went to mass every weekend. All right. the time, even when we went out of town, Ooh, because they have them they out sure of do. town. Uh, <laughs> John Mulaney joke. Anyway, um, um but anyway, so we we would go like I would I would be at mass, and it was like oh like I need to I need, I need to know that like the holy holy comes before I do the mystery of faith, and before I do the amen, and before. I do the lamb of god and like I needed to know that those go in right. that order and it's
0: not it's
1: and then not like theologically the why whole... <laughs> the,
0: like there's there's like a yeah. process of there's something that's happening <laughs> and you can't like screw up the order.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Like you can't do you can't do the holy holy then the amen and then the right. lamb Right, like of it's, god, it's and then in response faith, to something that is currently work. happening
0: on the altar yeah. at that exact moment, which is pretty incredible yeah. actually, so yeah, it's it's a different yeah. experience but um, you know and I'll go into more detail about that you know probably in future episodes as we discuss you know our backgrounds and, and all of that but um, I want to just to give a word of encouragement you know as if you are especially if you're a Catholic songwriter or a Catholic worship leader y'all you know, write worship music write liturgical music even if you don't think it's like gonna get played at masses or whatever like the church and the liturgy and the mass itself, Deserves that beauty and it deserves to be pursued in that way and like there's no point in just settling you know so I'll, I want to yeah. put that out there Um and you know we're going to talk to... with a lot of Novum artists that are doing that you know in future episodes yeah. we've got um here actually in our next episode we've got the wonderful enigmatic Rita West coming on do, 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 do. Rita West <laughs> I know I cannot wait to talk with her about Probably all of this,
1: <laughs> dude. I know, man. Dude, Rita. The cool, awesome thing about Rita West is, for those of you that don't know who Rita is, like she is someone who just like exudes prayer whenever she plays. Mm-hmm. It's just like this thing that happens. Like I can't, I can't even explain it. Like whenever she prays and like leads music, um, it is. I would argue it is a mystical experience. Honestly, you know who reminds me of that too is John, John Finch. Oh, yeah. Like whenever we did that mm-hmm. retreat and John was playing, I was like, "Oh my gosh." Like, yeah. yes. like it's just <laughs> Like there's people, you know, there's people who have voices that just whenever they start singing, you just believe them. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, telling, just well, like, and
0: I mean, hopefully that's the point of prayer and song is that right, it's the truth. Yes,
1: of course. <laughs> Like, well, if, yes, could you imagine if you were like, how like,
0: guilty would you feel if you were just lying? Well, like, Lord, heal these no, people, I mean, and then. <laughs> not really. <laughs> well, yeah. The Lord I mean, is obvious. in this place. It's not really. It's a joke. Like, oh my gosh. That's some um, screw tape letters but type of stuff course. right there. <laughs> Guys, this brings us to our next segment. Um, my favorite segment of the episode where we call it the final chorus. It's where we get to catch up. Um, me and Steven with what we have going on. It can be music related. It can be faith related. It can be related to anything that we're just jonesing on right now. Um, whatever we're into. Um, mm-hmm. Just to catch up with what's what's interesting to us and what's going on. Yeah. So I actually had this really um, profound moment, <clears throat> which uh, was, was like unexpected. I don't know if people expect profound moments, but for some reason, this one really caught me off guard. Um, and then like, you, you know, those moments where you're like, you know what, I should like write a TED talk and I could, mm. I could do that. It was one of those kind of things. Yeah. So, or like you should start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. How, if we had just a running list of, yeah, there should be a podcast about that. And it's like, would you actually listen to all of those bogus ideas? Like <laughs> surely there's there's too many but anyway so um, I there's this Amazon original show out called Carnival Row have you heard of this I have not oh not at all you don't know what I'm talking no, about no fantastic
1: well no I've been rocking the Disney plus so uh, I know nothing about what's geez. happening on Amazon okay so. so
0: this is actually came out like a, a couple months ago but it's um it's this like original script it's not based on a book or anything it's this new thing that Amazon put out and it's just one season. It's got Cara Delavine and Orlando Bloom in it. Ooh. I know. And basically it's like this alternate steampunk Victorian reality where, uh, like, fantastical creatures are real, and specifically, like, pixies and centaurs and fawns and things like that. But they're real, and they're trying to assimilate into, like, Victorian England culture. Steampunk Victorian England. Yeah. It's there's Orlando Bloom would be in right this show. <laughs> yeah, he he does it he does so a great much. Job. Um but so it's definitely like an allegory for a whole lot of things. Primarily like it's about like the pixies and the humans or like the two big species races, whatever. And it's definitely like the pixies are the Irish and Uh, And like humans are English And they're very much just like Warring and like It's it's very obvious that that's what they're Alluding to or making reference to But here's the thing They do a really good job with world building And what really caught My attention was that their Like primary religion In this universe Is like Christianity but everything's A little bit off And it really took me by surprise So just without even acknowledging it, it's very much like a show, don't tell. They they walk into like a room or a church or an orphanage or something and hanging on the walls are these like statues of a dead guy who's like being hung by a noose with like a bag over his head. And he's just, it's like a dead body hanging with a noose like up on the wall or like a big a big one like over an altar. And it's really jarring when you see this, you're like, oh, there's like, a dead guy hanging there or a statue of a dead guy hanging there. And they refer to him as the martyr. And, and they always are like, you know, Oh, like martyr be praised are like what the martyr. Oh my gosh. As if like they're taking God's name in vain, that kind of thing. And it's very much just an alternate reality Christianity where it's a guy who died for the sins of the world. But instead of dying on the crucifix, which is a torture death device, he was hanged. Right. And for some reason, I was more profoundly affected by seeing a statue of a dead guy from a rope than I was of the own crucifix hanging in my room. Which is hmm. l- quite literally—it's the same thing. It's there's—we have statues and and replicas of a dead person, sometimes life size, hanging from a cross. that. That's just the thing I, James he's not a okay. dead person. My point is like <laughs> from from if you like were to take your I if understand. you were to take yourself out of your culture and see this with fresh eyes for the first time how weird it is that we have these oh, yeah. like golden statues of a tortured mangled dead person yeah. and it, like it dawned on me and this was kind of the revelation I had like it should be like that it's supposed to be like that mm-hmm. It's not – the fact that we take it for granted every time that we see it is abhorrent. Oh, yeah. um, And so I had just kind of this profound experience, and I was just like, hey, God, I see you. Like, you know, like God pokes out in, in your life every now and then. And there he was. Yeah. So
1: Man, that reminds me of um, – so um, this I, – I am doing – I'm leading a confirmation class over at the church that I work for. Um, And I have chosen to use a lot of different resources um, to try and kind of make a holistic kind of confirmation program because I've used several confirmation programs and I have not liked any one Mm -hmm. of them wholly. So um, I was using um, episode one of the Catholicism series, Amazed and Afraid, by Bishop Barron. And, man, like the whole first episode almost is just like, almost all about that. Like, talking about just the reality of, like, how Jesus and the cross and his resurrection, like, become, like, domesticated yeah. in our nice. lives. And this, like, very, um, like, static way in the way that's just sort of like, yeah, I get it, mm-hmm. you know? When it's like, no, but you don't get it, you know? Like, the fact that Christians were throwing around this cross in front of... Roman people whenever Jesus had first, like, died <laughs> and rose from the dead, you know, like, this was insanity, yeah, right?
0: like, it's, it's nuts. For these
1: people to go around and be like, yeah, like, no, 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 like, we're not afraid of this, you know? Like, what else you got kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, that was, like, the peak of government torture, yeah. right? Like, that's, like... That's it. You know? And so... And they were just like, Yeah, yeah, like our God defeated that. You know, like that was conquered, so we don't even care about this thing. So yeah, what you're you're gonna crucify us, sure, whatever, feed us to lions, yeah, whoever. I don't care.
0: Friggin' Dude, it's getting me kinda amped. Like it makes me wanna like I don't know. Go 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 get martyred. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna see you later guys, I'm gonna go get martyred. No, but I mean like evangelize, yeah. You know, like yeah, like hey, though, right? like what if I told you like you won't die or you'll be raised from the dead? Like the fact that we don't mm-hmm. honestly believe that, you know, like like I, I almost really want to make it personal, you know, like you so you know, if I knew someone close to someone who died and just be like, look, could you imagine if your grandfather came back from the dead? Like, like three days later, like to personalize yeah. it, you know, because sometimes when we, we have this image of Jesus in our heads that comes from culture and from art and from textbooks, and it's, you know, it's, it's not real because we didn't see it or experience it, and we don't normally see big miracles like that in our everyday life, so... Yeah, dude. It's I was surprised that this like little fantasy show really <laughs> had a profound effect on me. But now, I'm like, I'm gonna go teach a class on this, or give a TED talk, and or start a podcast all about this, where I yeah, can yeah, express right. my platform. So, but yeah, I appreciate it. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's freaking cool, man. That's power fiction. Power fiction. Well, I think that wraps it up, my friend. I think that's it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am your co-host.
0: Steve that was so dope, dramatic. Man. I am your co-host James Perkins This has been The Writer's Round Thank you guys so much for tuning in We'll be back with Rita West on our next episode Be sure to tune in to see what we're up to And everything that's going on You can follow us on all social media platforms At The Writer's Round Podcast Writer's Round Podcast And you can always find more information On me, Stephen, and the other artists And all the music that you've heard on this show At NovumRecords.com Thanks guys, we'll see you next time Oh, right. get up! And-